Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, unlicensed lunch therapist, Adam Roberts. I've known today's guest for the last six years. I was a staff writer and then a story editor on The Real O'Neills on ABC, and Noah Galvin was the star of the show. Since then, he's been on Broadway in Dear Evan Hansen, Waitress, and a concert version of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and he's currently playing a doctor on ABC's The Good Doctor. In today's episode, Noah talks all about ordering burgers five days in a row during quarantine. And I was like, maybe this is like normal life. Maybe I can like order this thing and it'll like make me feel like normal. It didn't, it made me feel like a psychopath. Spending time in the kitchen with his father. Cause like at a certain point, my dad <laughs> was like, I don't wanna cook with you. And I was like, oh. And he was like, because you're annoying in the kitchen. You're completely controlling and you don't let me use my fingers. And trying to cook with his boyfriend, actor Ben Platt. When we started dating, his, we were both living in New York and his gas wasn't turned on in his apartment. So without further ado, here is my lunch therapy session with Noah Galvin. Hey. All right, Noah, are you ready for your lunch therapy session? <laughs> well, no, how are you? I'm well. Yeah. I'm well. Yeah. I'm here in sunny, sunny, swampy New Orleans. It's very warm, very muggy, but delightful. Are you there for fun or for work? Um, my boyfriend, Ben, is filming an episode of television here this week. And so we <laughs> we can't be apart for very long because Aww. we're I spend, we spend a lot of the year apart from each other because I live in Canada now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. Since I last saw you, you became a doctor. I did. I became a doctor when I moved to Canada. <laughs> I know. It's been a while. You're all grown up now. Yeah. Um, actually, the last time I saw you was in the audience of Moulin Rouge on Broadway. Do you yeah, remember that? That's right. That was my last Broadway show I ever saw. Really? <laughs> no comment no comment um okay so are, do you get to have fun while you're in new orleans and ben is working i do yeah because i'm not working i'm on hiatus you know so i'm yeah. just living my life as if i'm on hiatus and he's off you know hustling yes just potchke around and eat delicious food all week oh That's my god I'm so jealous and is it all back open like are people out on the streets throwing beads at each other and stuff fully Fully, fully, fully. I watched um, a bride and groom sing karaoke to like a room full of strangers the other night. Um, mm. I saw like a drunk, you know, college boy, I'm sure, just like try to get fully naked on on the same <laughs> karaoke stage. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Nobody's masked while this is happening. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a nice sign that things are going back to normal, I guess. Yes. Yes. I, I'd like, like, there's an in-between I think I'd be co- more comfortable with, but <laughs> an extreme is still fun. So are you, were you somebody that was like hypo, hyper-vigilant, like when it was all happening? Like, are you, do you run on the hypochondriacal side or just the generally responsible side or carefree I'm side? Not, I'm not a hypochondriac really, but I, you know, I tried to be safe. I was working for the majority of this pandemic. And so was spending, you know, was quarantined in Canada and the borders were closed. So Mm. um, I did a lot of quarantining this year. Um, And, but, you know, had the privilege of being potted up with a a cast, a pretty large cast of series regulars in Canada who I liked a lot. And so we spent a lot of time together, which was nice. But also Canada, 
when I left LA last year, LA was in like a dark, dark place. And I came to Canada and nobody was wearing masks on the street. Mm. Um, and everybody was sort of living as if it was already sort of over. I'd say like the vibe in LA now was like Canada last September. Oh, interesting. The tables have completely turned because of the very, very, very slow vaccination rate in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I return, I think it's going to feel like (laughs) the LA I I left when I moved to Canada. Oh, no, you're getting the worst of it. It's like (laughs) going from like, yeah, daylight savings time to like a very dark country or something. That didn't make sense. Um, I was going to ask you, though, did you enjoy like Vancouver and like the food there and dining? I do. I do. I I love Vancouver. I really, really, really enjoy Vancouver. I, you know, for the first four months was hard. I was living in the Sutton Hotel, Mm -hmm. which is a hotel that a lot of actors who are filming in Canada live in. I think at one point it was called the Slutton. Oh, (laughs) wow. You actors and your slutty reputations. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I went there with Craig and we, we stayed at the coolest hotel. I'm totally blanking on what it was, but it it was just like on the water. It had like crystal, like um, clear windows that overlooked everything. And it was just like gorgeous. Gorgeous. Was it called The Level? No, not The Level. It had a very, very chic cool. bar in the lobby. Um, but, but we had so many good meals there. We went to this place, St. John. Did you go there? No. It's like a French restaurant there. I still get their emails and they do incredible, like classic French food with like lots of sauce and stuff. We'll, we have to swap, we'll swap lists. Will you yeah. we'll just give me a list that I can go through? Yeah. I think I did a post on my blog. Maybe I can just send you the link with all the places we went. Um, but so you, so are you, you're in New Orleans now. When, when are you going back to Vancouver? I go back to Vancouver, uh, very, very end of July. And I'll be there, I think through April. So. Wow. That's a long time. It's a long time. We filmed 20 episodes a season. Hour long. <laughs> episodes they each take like nine days an episode it's a lot but it's been lovely and I've I I've really have enjoyed like during this time it's been so strange and I've been really lucky to like like the people that I've been stuck with mm-hmm. um but my first four months like at the Sutton in Vancouver I had like a I had like a kitchenette in my room it was like you know a full space with like a living room and a and a bedroom and there's like kitchen mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. And we had these two electric burners like in a closet, basically. And then this that oven- sounds very unsafe, but keep going. <laughs> right. <laughs> With like an oven that was like also a microwave that was also like a mac like a macro broiler and a blah blah blah. <laughs> and so I really I, I I was proud of myself and all the cooking that I did accomplish in this like very, very small space. I ended up cooking like an entire, you know, we couldn't leave for Thanksgiving. So I cooked like an entire Thanksgiving meal for like me and three other actors and we made do we made do that sounds like very romantic actually it sounds like the old date you know when you think about like actors striving on Broadway and their tiny apartment like in Merrily We Roll Along exactly. or something like you know <laughs> cooking for each other and typing on the typewriter yeah I'm running a network television show yeah I know it's true you should they should put you up in more luxe accommodation after the four months I was like okay kitchen <laughs> <laughs> now yeah I think that that's that's actually really funny so when you were um there, I was, I was going to ask you in terms of like doctor jargon, does that come easy to you? Like when you have to say all the doctor stuff, like get me three rigs of 
PPC pipe. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. PCP pipe goes yeah. all the time. It, um, the thing about it is that like, if you asked me, yes, I, I memorize it relatively. It's not, it's not that hard for me to memorize. I'm also a good memorizer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually like learn all of my stuff the night before. So when I show up on the day and we have like, let's say it's like a surgery day, we show up um, usually like an hour before filming. And there's like a medical team slash props team with people who are like actual medical, Mm. you know, professionals or who once were and props people. And they sort of choreograph the surgery for us. And then when we show up, they teach us the choreography. And then we line by line, we ask like, okay, what is this about? When Mm. I say the BP is dropping, like which monitor am I looking at? And it's fun. It really does feel like choreography and it's, it, it then helps to memorize it all because you know what you're looking at, you know what you're talking about. Mm. Um, but if you asked me, like, even like that night, I'll get home from like an, you know, a, like a 12 hour long surgery day <laughs> and I'll, <laughs> that's funny. And I'll like get home and get on FaceTime with Ben and he'll be like, tell me one of your lines. I'll be like, okay. And like nothing will come to me. Just like it goes in one ear and just out the other. But I have to say it like upwards of like 60 times during the day. But then, you know, once I'm on the camera, it's just poof. Yeah. So you're not actually learning medicine. Like you're not, if you're on an airplane and someone's like, is there a doctor on this plane? You're not going to step forward. I will be looking around waiting for somebody else to raise their hand. I did, we did get to show up and I got to do like, you know, we had like a little like skills lab when we showed up. So I had to like learn how to suture and learn how to like properly hold the instruments and um when we're in surgery we have nurses with us who are actual actual er nurses and mm-hmm. so we'll like grab an instrument a certain way and they'll be like no <laughs> <laughs> but is there anything like useful medically that you've learned like oh i didn't know that if you if like, someone's bleeding like you're supposed to like put pressure on it i guess you know that but anything like if somebody's choking i guess that's a heimlich maneuver yeah uh, i guess i could like if you if i really like if we were down to the wire if it was like you know we were on an airplane and like something needed, nobody else was there i could probably intubate somebody wow I probably, okay i could probably give somebody stitches but like that's it <laughs> i think you're basically a doctor i mean i think you should just <laughs> make that part of your new business card MD. Uh, well, no, we're getting to the food portion of our podcast. So the way this works is you're going to tell me what you had for lunch, and then I'm going to use that as a way to explore your relationship to food and cooking and all that. As, as an analysis, we're going to go very deep. Um, and so, Noah, what did you have for lunch today? Okay. For lunch today, um, I went to this restaurant the other day for dinner, and next door they had called Cochon. I love that place. Yes. Next door, I tried alligator. Ah! Oh, amazing. I have his cookbook, by the way, which is fantastic. Is Donald Link. Yeah, it's such a good book. But keep going. I don't want to interrupt this important moment. <laughs> so next door to Cochon, they have a thing called Cochon Butcher, which is their slightly more casual eatery. Um, I'm at a hotel. I think somebody's getting uh, some in-room dining down the hall. Oh, okay. Interesting. And yeah. So I went there. I got a sandwich. I got the Cuban sandwich, the Cubano, with some house-made chips on the side wow. and uh, Mexican Coke. Huh. That okay. 
Interesting. I also, got, I also got two chocolate chip cookies to have for later, probably as dessert after dinner. So let's start with the, the sandwich, because, you know, here you are in New Orleans, here you are at Koshan Butcher, and you're looking at the list of sandwiches. Can yeah. you walk us through the thought process that led you to the Cubano? A hundred percent. Okay, so obviously it's a very um, meat-centric menu. Um, there was... I ate barbecue last night. And so I was, I was like, I don't know if I want to just get like the Carolina style pulled pork sandwich, you know, even though I, I very much wanted it. I was like, I should mix it up. I should, but I still feel like I sort of got my pulled pork moment because there is, you know, there is pork on the Cubano as well as ham, as well as Swiss. So you didn't want to repeat yourself because you had barbecue last exactly. night. You wanted some variety, which I think reveals something interesting about you, which we'll come back to. Okay, keep going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was really it. I mean, what, uh, there were other things I saw on the menu. There was like some more basic options. But I did feel like this was a nice like medium middle road moment where I'd have like a real sandwich. I could feel like I was having a sandwich with like cheese and meats and a spread of some sort. Mm -hmm. um, but still feel like I was honoring uh, going to like a butcher establishment, you know, somewhere I get like a real beautiful slice of ham with some delicious, you know, meats. And do they make the ham there or do they cure it there? I mean, is it all like, was that part Not of it? Sure, but it definitely tasted like it. I mean, gotcha. it definitely tasted like some some good, good ham. The flavor profile was rich. Would you mind going back right now and finding out? And I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so already <laughs> I'm taking away that. I, I thought I thought that was like a good insight that you you wanted to shake it up. You didn't want to repeat yourself. So maybe maybe in terms of like going down that pathway for a little bit in your life with food, are you the, were you the kind of kid that like put your peas and carrots and like chicken all in the fork at the same time? Or did you keep it all separate? Well, this is the thing is that I, I do like to keep it separate, but it only because I like to curate bites. Oh, okay. Make sure that I'm getting the perfect bite every single time. So these, these pleasures, food matters to you. I mean, that's, that's, it's kind of fascinating because you're in the, you're in a creative field, you're an actor, and I see a link between performing and acting and, and choosing material and, and, and inhabiting a role and wanting to curate good bites for yourself too. Am I yeah. onto something? I think you're on <laughs> something. Yeah. So have you always been a very like selective person in terms of like the food you eat the music you listen to the books you read movies you see yes yes very much so um I also yes I am selective also but like in terms of food I also have like I guess what do they say like your eyes are bigger than your stomach is that mm -hmm. a thing yeah so like, that's a thing. I also have that problem where like I'll look at a menu and be like, oh, this looks really good. Oh, this looks really good too. Maybe I should just order all of it and have like bites of everything, which I often do. That's great. So you want to you want to experience as much of the world as you can. Yes, I'm a sensate. You know, I just like to I like to feel it all. I like to taste it all. So when you're on a show like the one you're in in Vancouver and you're in a hotel and you're limited in your space, is it hard for you to like eat the same food every day or go to set and 
eat craft services? I mean, does that get too repetitious for you? Or are you so focused on the work that it doesn't bother you? No, because I think that's also something I'd say about myself as an eater is that like, I do enjoy repetition Mm -hmm. to a certain point. I get tired of things, but I will tire myself out. You know what I mean? Like I will tire something out. Mm-hmm. I will like, order something too many times because I like it so much. That's what's awesome. The, what's the last time that happened to you? Like, what was the most recent thing that you got really into? That's embarrassing. Honestly, <laughs> there was like a week where I was in quarantine in Vancouver the last time I quarantined, and it was my fourth quarantine, my fourth two week long quarantine. And I was like, I'm gonna die. And I was like, I need joy in my life. I need to make myself feel good I need a burger and fries and so I (laughs) A&W is really big in Canada you know the like the root beer yeah company um and they're like you know it's like a the burger king of of Canada it feels like almost and so I ordered so I went on DoorDash and Mm -hmm. they had um they had a Beyond Meat burger I guess an impossible burger and I was like, that seems like the right move because it's not necessarily like a burger, which is like bad for you. And, mm-hmm. but it still feel, you know, it still felt like comforty and delicious and, you know, yummy. And so I ordered that <laughs> and then with like fries and a drink, mm-hmm. like, but, you know, as like a nighttime dinner moment. And then the next day, I <laughs> did it again. <laughs> okay, two times. That, I did it again. And then the day after that, I did it again. And I did it four days in a row. And I sort of like had to like wake up the next morning and be like, let's take a moment here to like look at our life, look at our choices. <laughs> Not- yeah, this is above my pay grade, by the way. I mean, this is like some <laughs> serious lunch therapy we're talking about. <laughs> So when you were ordering it, it sounds like it was about comfort for you and just self, self-soothing. Yes. I was like, get me out of this apartment. I, I need to, I need like, I was literally losing my mind. Yeah. And I was like, maybe this is like normal life. Maybe I can like order this thing and it'll like make me feel like normal. It didn't. It made me feel like a psychopath. <laughs> well, by the way, I mean, I think a lot of us went through similar things. Right? I mean, Craig my husband uh got really into giardelli caramel squares like these like little chocolate but squares of course, of course say no more or giardelli i don't know if it's a good or a jelly <laughs> and- giardelli and then on the commercials they say giardelli giardelli i think that's right so he like every time i went to the grocery store he's like get me some of those squares and then like he would open the bag at night and like open it and just like start eating them but like not one or two like he'd have like half a bag and then he'd like can you get me more and i I almost had to have an intervention so and i did this too with like all kinds of i would get pastries and baked goods so i think we were all self-soothing through this pandemic yes but i you know it'll sometimes be sweets with me but it's usually about savory food that's like my little like if I'm like cheating, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, I mean, and there's like a lot of places we can go with this, but in terms of cheating, and you talked about this being bad for you, I mean, you know, you are an actor uh, mm-hmm. in a notorious industry where people have to worry about their bodies and what they're eating. You'll hear about cleanses and Gwyneth Paltrow and stuff. So has this been something that you you think about on the on a regular basis, like the healthfulness of what you're eating, or have you mostly not been able, been able to not worry about that? 
No, I have always thought about, I mean, unfortunately, I think what I'm eating is really. Hey, my, I'm weird dog sitting right now. So uh, <laughs> my dog and our friend's dog are going at it. I apologize. This is not a very professional studio here. My favorite. <laughs> um, I've always sort of been like conscious of, I'd say like my eating is directly correlated to like weight, you know, mm -hmm. and like how my body looks. And like <clears throat> when I was little, I had never really thought about that or thought about weight or thought about my body. And I went on tour with Les Mis when I was 10 and the, my guardian, um, who both my parents like worked full time. I had two older siblings that were both in school and my parents were like, we can't go on tour with you. Do you really want to do this? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to do this. Were you Gavroche? I was Gavroche. Yes. Gavroche. Yes. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> my fellow correct. <laughs> No, no, it's funny. <laughs> I'm actually working on a project. I think I told you this about Gavroche and I have to pitch it later this week. And, um, and I've been saying it wrong the whole time. So that was actually very helpful, but keep going. So you're on tour. <laughs> so I was on tour and the only way I could go on tour is if I had a guardian with me. And so we hired my voice teacher's cleaning lady's cousin, who was a <laughs> 19 year old Albanian girl named Agnesa. And, um, she was like an Albanian immigrant and I was like a precocious 10 year old and we very quickly became like an old married couple. And I sort of like took on her, her like eating habits and like body image issues as like a 10 year old. And, you know, we were living in straight up living in hotels for like a year together, you know, only eating like food that a 19 year old girl and a 10 year old boy would want to eat, which was mostly like fast food and like, we went we went to like the rainforest cafe like when we had our sit down in chicago for six weeks we ate at like the melting pot which is like a <laughs> new restaurant yeah of course <laughs> and i like gained a bunch of weight and my mom came on tour at one point and was like whoa <laughs> mm -hmm. and sort of like let me know that i had gained weight and i that was the first time i had ever really like thought about it and then from that point on, I sort of realized that like, I was not like my siblings and that like both of my siblings have crazy, crazy fast metabolisms. And I like wasn't physical like them. And I, you know, I like to like I, food, food was like more of a thing for me than it was for them. I'd say less so now with my sister, she's a big foodie, but still with my brother, he's like, I eat because food is fuel. <laughs> um, and I'm like I don't relate yeah um but definitely and I think that's like stayed with me and I think like since I was that age I've like fluctuated weight wise and I feel like I, I I feel like it's a constant maybe not struggle but it's something that I'm always like kind of conscious of and like this season on my show at one point I'm like doing surgery on like a UFC fighter and he has like a crazy body and they wrote me a line where they're like, man, I need to like get myself in shape or something. <laughs> and then they were like, well, you're not like fat. And I say like, no, but I'd like to like have a shape. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the writers were like in the writer's room. Like a, like, a subtle read. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Looking at pictures of you. Well, I, one of the things I, I drew a parallel between as you were talking was being on the road as an actor and the kind of soothing that you're that you talked about when you ate the burgers recently nothing and, has changed <laughs> yeah and being a kid but I one of the things that I wanted to ask you is when you were so when you were 10 
and on the road with a 19 year old and in lame is playing Gavroche. Uh, were you loving it? I mean, was it, were you, was it as everything that you wanted it to be or did it, was it hard? And was part of that eating like comforting yourself? And I think it was a mixture of both. I was simultaneously having like the most fun I had ever had doing for the first time ever. I think I like realizing I was like doing the very thing that I wanted to do forever and ever. Um, but also was away from my family and mm -hmm. at 10 years old and like didn't have my parents on tour with me and every other kid uh, the part was double cast and then we had a, a little Eponine and a little Cosette so there were four kids all together and everybody either had a parent or a grandparent on tour with them and I was the only person with a 19 year old Albanian girl <laughs> um and it was hard for me and like hard to be away from my community of like friends that I had grown up with and I left for tour like halfway through fifth grade and when I returned and I was like bad at keeping in touch with people. And when I sort of returned, because nobody had a cell phone at that time, I was like the first person to like, get a cell phone because I was going on tour. That was the only reason I got one. Mm -hmm. And none of my friends back home had them because we were 10 years old. Who knew that? <laughs> we were 10 years old. Right. It was like fat Nokia, you know? <laughs> but when I returned, all of these people had like done so much growing up. And I had two, but in a very different way than they had. They had all like had their first sexual experience. And the, at that point, everybody was going to middle school and the four elementary schools in my town sort of like joined to become the middle school. And so they had all met these kids from the other schools and had bonded with them already and created like friendships and romantic connections and like all of these things. And I like hadn't really done any of that. I was like, <laughs> I, was, I was just on the road for a year. like. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I returned and it was, it was hard. That, that transition was really hard. And I remember not wanting to leave tour. And I think the not wanting to leave tour was about more so than it was like leaving this show. Cause I was like, I'd done it for a year. I was bored at that point of the show. But it was about like the, you know, being fearful of like returning to the real world and having to be like a person again. Well, is that, is that still true on some level? I mean, do you feel like in their, your current job, like going from place to place, like that there's this, almost still the same thing on some level? Definitely. But I think I, the thing I enjoy one of the most, of, one of the things I enjoy most about being an actor is like creating these families wherever mm -hmm. I go. And like, I was talking about this with my cousin recently who, who, who is not an actor, but at one point in his life was, and he was like, you know, I find it hard to like make adult friendships and like meet people and and I was like, you're right. I think I have, I have it easy in that every few years slash months, I like, I get dropped into a room full of people that are like potential friendships for myself. And I get to choose who I want to like take with me for the remainder of my life and who I don't. And that's like a really lucky, cool thing. You get to curate your friends like you do your lunches. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I wanted to ask you, because I, I want to bring it back to food for a second. Yes. And in terms of like home, like home cooking, like when you were growing up uh, and you would eat food, was, did, your, did your family cook? Was there a lot of, like, were there a lot of dishes that you loved or was it not that kind of family? No, it was very much that kind of family, but not like the dynamic I think most people are used to and that my mother is potentially like the least domestic person I've ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. Like she has never picked up like a broom never picked up like a ladle like you name it 
she just like that is not something she does she's like a workhorse she's a yoga instructor she has a studio in new york city called the studio Mm -hmm. um and my dad was a psychoanalyst and so you're used to this (laughs) so i'm used to this (laughs) (laughs) and he was um (laughs) i say this like semi-jokingly but i'm pretty sure my dad was gay and just like loved he was the domestic presence in my household he loved to cook he loved to clean he loved to host he loved to like throw a party he loved to at my sister's um wedding he personally did all of the flower arrangements oh, that's so sweet <laughs> yeah um but he he was an incredible incredible cook and he pretty much the, he had like staple dishes that he would make like he would make his like sunday sauce um and he would let it just like sit with just like a bunch of meats like thrown in with like a bunch of tomatoes and some like delicious you know just a beautiful beautiful sauce a, a gravy of sorts um was he italian he was yes okay you just let it sit on the stove for like two days we'd like fully go to sleep with the stove on <laughs> come down <laughs> and be like we didn't die but we have a delicious <laughs> sauce um so he was like really and everything was like a real labor of love and he loved to experiment we would throw these huge huge like 80 person thanksgiving dinners and he would make like two or three turkeys and always like one of them was like something special. So like he got really into deep frying turkeys whole. Mm-hmm. And so that for like a bunch of years, we would like set up the whole thing and we like do the deep fryer and the whole turkey. And we do that. And then he would make a roast turkey as well. And like, wow. Yeah, he was an That's incredible. So cool. And like was adventurous and like was also, I'd come into the kitchen, I'd be like, I'm hungry. And he'd be like, let's like figure something out. He'd be like, what do you want? And I'd be like, I want like chicken fingers. And he'd be like, let's do it. And we like make it happen, you know? That's so sweet. I mean, it's funny because I don't think I'm going to have children, but if I were to have children, that is my fantasy of the kind of father I would be is like, yeah. to just always be cooking. And I was thinking that line in a chorus line where it's like, mother fat, always in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm cooking. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that would be me. So, that, that's <laughs> so did, did you take on any of those like, techniques or things from your father that you still do now I did yeah so when I was like I was like 13 or 14 at the time I went I ran away with the circus for a year and literally like the circus I did I was in Cirque du Soleil for a year (laughs) so called Wintuck and when I came when I sort of like ended the show I had become like best friends with, I always had like on location education teachers who were like, you know, the onset tutors. And I would either like, be, they would either become like my nemeses or my like best, best, best friends. And in this case, it was this teacher named Lois Yaroshevsky, who was just like an old Jew. Like, and we. <laughs> For those who are listening, he just did a gesture <laughs> of tapping his fist against his chest and then holding up two fingers. I think it was a gang sign. I'm not sure. <laughs> Okay, keep going. Yeah. Represent. Um, <laughs> but Lois and I became absolutely inseparable and just didn't basically at that point my school, my like small ish public school in New York was like, we can't keep like sending you work every week. It's too much work for like these teachers who are who already have like two hundred students a day. Like it's an extra 
element of labor that we like can't handle anymore. So either like you should take the lame is job and like figure out another schooling system for yourself or don't take it and you can stay in like enrolled in school. And I was like, okay, well, (laughs) I'm not gonna like stay in Westchester. Like obviously (laughs) I'm moving to Montreal to like do the circus. And so I did and Cirque was really generous and they were like, we want you to do this show. So we'll pay for a year of homeschooling for you. And so they paid for this like homeschooling curriculum, which was really, really in depth and really hard because it's for kids who like don't have anything to do all day except Mm -hmm. do this school curriculum. But for me, I was like in rehearsal all day being in the circus. And so I would only go to school for like three, four hours a day. And it was just like, there wasn't enough time in the day to like get this curriculum done. And at a certain point, Lois and I sort of looked at each other and we were like, this is not going to (laughs) happen. And so we would just like go on adventures and like, I learned through like just living. But after the show was over, I was like, hmm, what do I do here? I like didn't get my first like six months of eighth grade education. And so what I did was I decided to like hold myself back a year. Mm -hmm. So... I basically spent the next six months of that school year just working, um, doing like readings and things in New York and, but not like in school. And so I was sort of just like, my mom was like, gave me like a fat list of books to read. And I was like, yeah, I'll read. I love to read. And so I did a lot of reading. And then at all the moments I wasn't either working or reading, I was watching the Food Network. And oh. I sat home and watched so much Food Network. Which were your shows? Point, which, which ones did you watch? I mean, Barefoot Contessa all day. Of course, yeah. Everyday, everyday Italian. We love Jada. Um, 30 Minute Meals. Mm-hmm. I mean, the OGs. Well, no, uh, I mean, I'm older than you. And my OGs are Sarah Moulton, who was on at the very beginning of the Food Network, Sarah's Secrets. Oh, Sarah's Secrets. Yes. Yeah. Wait, do you remember this lady, Ellie King? Yeah, uh, Ellie Kemper. Wait, not Ellie Kemper. Ellie King. <laughs> Wait, who's Ellie Kemper? That's an actress, right? Never mind. That's Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, but there is no. There's just like Ellie, there's there was like a health food person. But keep going. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, with the pixie cut. Yeah, but and, I don't think like, her last name was King. Was it really, really King? Did I make that up? Maybe I don't know. We'll keep, let's keep going. Side, but I did. I loved her show too, and I was like, she's my like healthy lady cook. But so at this time, my parents were also going through a divorce, and so I was living with my mother mainly. Um. And so I wasn't cooking as much like with my dad because I was living with my mother, <laughs> mm-hmm. but she doesn't cook. And so I would watch the food network all day. And then she'd call me and be like, all right, I'm on my way home. Like, do you need anything? And I'd be like, actually, yes. I do. <laughs> and I'd give her a list of ingredients and she would bring them home. And I would cook these like elaborate meals for us. And that's sort of when I, really started my own like personal as much as I like loved cooking with my father and loved like learning from him he was like sloppy and messy and he was like wait put a little bit of this in and he put a little this in you know right he was like let's feel out let's feel the flavors let's like feel out this dish and I was like let's follow the recipe (laughs) and that is when I like really really like learned how to cook and like taught myself like knife skills and butchering and all you you were in eighth grade when this started Yes. <laughs> but, wow, that's very young. So what were, the, what were the go-to dishes that were the biggest hits for you and your mother when you were cooking all this? I mean, she didn't really eat, want to eat any of it because like all she, she eats like a bird. She was like, all I really need is just like a salad. 
Mm. Or she's like, mm, I'm going to have my treat, which means like cantaloupe and cottage cheese. <laughs> so she really is a yoga instructor and she eats like one, it sounds like. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so you made this food for yourself? Yeah, me, like basically, yeah. But I'd cook, you know, like I perfected like my roast chicken. I made like, like staples. I worked on like my staples. I learned how to like, you know, baste a steak. I learned how to like, you know. We have very similar journeys because my mother never cooked at all. She hated it. She um, also never lifted a broom and would, uh, would, but prided herself on like going to restaurants and things like that. So my learning to cook was also really just for me to kind of feed myself. I, my, my sidebar was that I, or my weird journeys, I went to law school to please them after I came out, which was not a great idea. So I was, I was pretty miserable and pretty lonely. And so I um, would just cook all the time and feed myself. So it sounds like we have that in common. It's my most favorite thing. And it's a thing that like, I think when I have all these, you know, when I was doing like regional theater at the age of like 19 and 20, and I was like living in the middle of nowheresville connecticut it was the thing that like grounded me and like allowed me to like feel like i had agency in this space that like wasn't necessarily mine or was like weird <laughs> like yeah i think there's a real link between housing you know yeah, cooking for yourself and forging your own identity and like making your own place for yourself it makes a totally. lot of sense well i'm yeah. curious because you mentioned um being in a relationship with ben so are do you cook with him does he a cook do you guys cook together yeah, he'll get mad at me for saying this, but he, <laughs> when we started dating, his, we were both living in New York, and his gas wasn't turned on in his apartment. <laughs> so just an idea of like how much he was cooking, which is right. <laughs> Zero. Okay. Got it. <laughs> and he, you know, but he loves food, is the thing. Like he really does love food, and he loves, he loves sushi, but he loves food. And is a really good eater. Um, and when we started dating, there was a point where I was like, great, like I'll bring ingredients over. We can like cook a meal. And he was like, yeah, um, totally. Let me just like talk to my super. And I was like, why? And he was like, I don't know if my gas is turned on. And I was like, <laughs> what? And so he ended up coming over to my house and I cooked him a Mary Berry chicken recipe. Oh, nice. Um, a sort of like Asian-y, soy saucy, honey, peppers, and chicken recipe. Um, and he loved it. Ooh, the way that to a man, man's heart is through his stomach. Is by way of Mary Berry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at, so once we started dating, we dated for a while, we ate some delicious food, and then the pandemic happened, and I ended up going to... LA and living in his childhood home with him and his parents. Mm -hmm. And during that time, you know, we didn't have a lot going on. And I was like, let's just like get ingredients and make delicious food. We have this like gorgeous kitchen. Let's like, let's utilize it. And so throughout that process, I like taught him how to make things, but I would sort of, I wanted him to feel excited about it. And I wanted him to like enjoy the process. So I would let him decide like, I'd be like, send me five things that you would love to not only eat, but like learn how to make. Mm -hmm. So he was like, <laughs> like basic things. He was like, lasagna. <laughs> and <I> was like, <laughs> okay. And so, you know, we had the night where I taught him how to like make pasta and we like made lasagna noodles and then made a meat sauce and like made a lasagna together. And he was like, his mind was like 
blown. How did you do it? Like, what was it? Like a barefoot contessa lasagna with sausage? Was it a bolognese? Like where you made like meat sauce or what were it your? Was. It was like a it was like a meat saucy a meat saucy lasagna. What did we do? We layered like noodles. Honestly, you 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 had on this show. You had um, what's her name? Samin. Oh, Samin. Yes. Yeah. Her. I made with the entire rest of the world made her big lasagna um, at a certain I, ha- I had her on my Instagram live. I just have to be clear in case people <gasps> I'm are curious. So sorry. No. <laughs> Do you hear static? Was that weird? Okay. No, it went, it went away. I don't know what just happened. Keep going. There are dogs barking. There's static. It's okay. But I made her lasagna and I loved her lasagna because it's the, you know, the layered like bechamel and meat sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't go as far as to make the bechamel and meat sauce, but we did just make a meat sauce and we did like, you know, noodles ricotta layer mm-hmm. um meat sauce noodle you know you know the vibe and without prying too much into your relationship <laughs> it feels like for me i would not be able to cook with craig like we would kill each other because i'm a control freak he's yeah. very sensitive so did you feel like you had to navigate like one another's emotions at all during this or was it smooth yeah, sailing it's good it's a good lesson because like at a certain point my dad was like I don't want to cook with you and I was like (laughs) and he was like because you're annoying in the kitchen you're completely controlling and you don't let me use my fingers and I was like a tasting spoons um (laughs) (laughs) wow hygiene oriented okay (laughs) but he you know I learned from Jada okay (laughs) I, I but it was a real lesson for myself and like even if it's not minced as finely as I'd like it to be like it's still gonna be delicious Mm-hmm. And it's like, I needed to like take a step back and like let him have his experience and like really feel like he was participating and I wanted him to participate. And so it was like a good, a good, you know, lesson for both of us. Cause every once in a while I'd be like, chop it finer. Or, <laughs> or I'd be like, it looks great. <laughs> what about the, what about the, re- like, have you had the experience yet, which is inevitable where you make something that you're very excited about. And he's like, this, this needs salt or this is a little bland or this is a little oily or blah 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 as much as he loves food he'll eat like anything you, put on it, you know <laughs> great that's like craig that, that's a great you found a great match then because i really did yeah I feed him anything i'll be like this is delicious you know great. yeah and that's I'll all you want he's like a little bit more critical of it but he's you know happy as a clam now one thing that occurred to me um back to your mother because everything stems from the mother of course um of course. I was when you talked about your lunch and you emphasized that you got a Mexican Coke. And I was wondering if the Coke is like the lack of, for lack of, I mean, I don't know what other word to use, but for like lack of healthfulness of a Coke is sort of like your own way of being like, see, I drink Coke, yoga instructor, mom. Honestly, well, yeah, I'd say Coke in general is like, was a huge no-no in my house. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, the only soda we were allowed to drink was the stuff that she got at Mrs. Green's, our local health food store, called China Cola. Mm-hmm. And it's like cola, but it's made with like only Chinese herbs. And it's delicious. I actually haven't been able to find it for like years now. If anybody knows where to get China Cola, let yes. me know. Shoot um, me a message or shoot me a message. I'll, I'll share the message. Thank you. But yeah, I'd say actually when I lived with Ben's parents, last year during the pandemic his dad loves diet coke and his family like like soda they drink a lot of soda and that was like really new for me just having like a store of soda in the garage was like 
the railing. That's like something that I could only get at friends' houses when I was little. Mm-hmm. And to have that just like at my disposal every day was like a really wild thing. And I went a little like too hard on the Diet Coke for a while. And I had to be like, let's take a break. Oh, but okay. While, it's like a nice little treat. But also the Mexican Coke is made with cane sugar and not processed sugar. So it's like, you know, it's a little bit, it's got a little bit, it's a little bit more special. Yeah. yeah, I remember when that was a thing, like when there was like a lot of articles about it in New York for like a period and then everywhere it would carry Mexican Coke for a little bit. Yeah, and now it feels like some sort of like, it's like a boutique-y like. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Wait, so um, does Ben's family cook? I mean, were they involved in your, were you making food for them too? A lot, yeah, but his mother keeps the kosher household. So that was also oh. like a fair level of, I got scolded like at least once or twice a week for cooking in like a non, you know, for like making something dairy filled in a not dairy bowl or something. Really? Okay. That's really interesting. My, my father grew up in a kosher home like that. So, but I'd never experienced that. That must've been interesting to. It was interesting. And I had to like learn how to like, you know, I didn't really have access to butter for like three months. So I made, I had to learn how to just like work with Fleischmann's and like, you know, uh-huh certain certain little like tricks of the trade that became fun but it also became like another element of it was like a little challenge it was exciting I thought you're gonna write a quarantine kosher cookbook that feels like your next move I, I just might. <laughs> so um well we're, we're not at the end yet we're starting to get towards the end um did, did we cover though like all the major food and I think you you shared a lot of really interesting stuff especially about growing up um, with your father cooking and then traveling a lot and so I'm curious, like when you, when you were on the road and then you came, was there another period of like coming back home? Like, I think you talked about it a little bit, like cooking for your mom, but like that was in, that was after Cirque du Soleil that you were cooking and watching the Food Network? Yes. And then was that, were you home for that whole period, like high school and all that stuff? Or did you go on the road again? No. And then I moved to, and then my mom and I moved to New York City. Okay. When I was like 14. And my eyes were just opened like once more because mm-hmm. I was living in like one of the, you know, one of my favorite like culinary hubs in the, the universe. Um, you just get everything at all times of the day or night yeah. and everything is delicious. Um, what, were your, what were your go-to New York city like things? Like, was it a Grace papaya hot dog? Was it um, um, Katz's honestly, pastrami or something? I don't know. <laughs> you're talking about like touristy things no i'm not ruth <laughs> reichel who's one of the most important living food writers just instagrammed herself eating a grazed papaya hot dog how dare you but keep going I love a grazed papaya hot dog but that's like you know i'd much rather just like be in times square and like go to a guy who has like a bunch of hot dogs like swimming in a bucket <laughs> those are good i like those okay, yeah. okay um, but what, so what are your very curated new york uh bites that you'd recommend um there's a restaurant on the Upper West Side called Celeste, which is like a very, really, really quaint, really lovely little Italian restaurant um, that's cash only. And it's like, it was always like one of my favorite places to go. And it was the first time I ever like fell in love with like a steak dish. Um, this like beautiful, beautiful, very thinly sliced skirt steak um, with I think like fried sage leaves on top and like, else did it have on there some like very like thick like you know little like sheets of parmesan sort of like strewn about 
Noah um, was making the hand gesture of sheets <laughs> of Parmesan in case you're not watching this. Uh, keep going. It's like beautiful pasta dishes, like yeah. a delicious, like rich, like deep, like 12 hour bolognese, you know? Wait, I was going to ask you, so you said your dad is Italian and your mo- is, your, is your mother Jewish? Yes. My dad is like, a, was like a very strict Catholic. Um, his mother was Irish. His dad was Italian. And my mother was like a pretty hardcore Jew. Not in that she was like any, in any way a conservative Jew, just like thinks of herself as a hardcore Jew, you know? So did you do Jewish holidays growing up? So yeah, so growing up, we had, uh, I had like a very, <laughs> a very rich religious education. We, I, we grew up going to CCD, which is like Sunday school, but on Thursday nights um, for, you know, Catholicism. And then Friday nights was our Hebrew school, which was a Havara. We had like eight families over to our house and my mom and her twin sister would basically lead um, Hebrew school for- Wait, so you had to go to Catholic school and Hebrew school? Yeah, and then we'd like on High Holy oh Day go to the temple and then every Sunday we go to church. And so when I started working at the age of 10, they sort of gave up on my religious education, but both my sister and brother had their B'nai Mitzvot's and um, and confirmations. They were confirmed and had their bar mitzvahs. So oh, were you were you confused though? Is it like did you go from like Catholic school to to Hebrew school and say like Christ died for my, for our sins? And they were like, don't say that here. <laughs> <laughs> I I think we uh, like me and my siblings always connected with Judaism a little bit more, and I think right. it's because of how it was taught to us. We were, you know, Hebrew school is the place where we like grew bean sprouts and like learned how to paint (laughs) like sing in harmony and like church was where we went to like sit and get like lectured at by like an old man and we were like hmm (laughs) what's with the bean sprouts i never heard of that is that a jewish thing no not at all (laughs) (laughs) that's really funny you by the way you were you were recently in joseph and the amazing technicolor dream coat right like in a concert of it biblical i know that looked really great i wish i could have seen that production it was like the just a gay fantasia of an evening like a month before or like less than a month before the world shut down I was very grateful to have like a little that little booster shot of musical theater to like get me through the year did they record that they should post that on something so we could watch it yeah <laughs> um all right no I, well, not at the end this is but this is the final question that I asked to end all podcasts it takes about 10 minutes to, to do this question so okay. do you need to take a breath or a sip of Mexican coke Oh, he's sipping his Mexican Coke um, and now he's putting it down. Oh, he's swirling it, swirling it. So the question is, we know now what you had for lunch, but what will you be having for dinner tonight? Well, you know, life is about balance. Um, I've eaten a lot of like heavy saucy meats in the past few days. Um, And so tonight, I believe we have a reservation in a place called True Food Kitchen. I've heard of that. Which is like healthy food. Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever been to New York, there is a place that I think is closed now called Spring Natural Kitchen. And it's the thing that I think is the most akin to to this place, true food. And it's basically just like delicious salads and other like veggie based meals. Mm-hmm. Feel like you know clean eating and like healthy food and I had a really yummy salad from there last week that had you know it's hard to find a place that'll give you like a really good salad and then when you add chicken to that salad 
it's often like refrigerator chicken that was grilled a couple days prior and you can taste the refrigerator in the chicken Mm -hmm. and I'm always upset by that like if you go to any like make your own salad establishment other than like sweet green but I don't like sweet green other than like sweet green everything like yeah everything is refrigerator chicken and I Mm -hmm. want like a freshly grilled piece of chicken to like round out my salad experience. But to ca- a counterpoint to that though, I would say, doesn't the heat of the chicken wilt well, the lettuce? Yeah. No. <laughs> oh my God. What about room temperature chicken? Exactly. Cause I, yeah, because then the like ju- juices go back in. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Well rested, she's well mm-hmm. rested. The juices have had time to settle. Mm-hmm. And then you cut into her and she just adds like a nice warmth Mm-hmm. the bite um but not so hot that I'm looking for like a wilty green but also I'd like a fresh enough green that it like can withstand the slight medium heat of a freshly grilled piece of chicken okay well I'm sure you'll find that I bet I was gonna ask you I mean I feels like one of the themes of our conversation has been you know um what's the word like decadence versus like sort of you know, holding back a little, like, you know, yes. healthfulness, like the Mexican Coke, but like now we're having salad, but you are in the city of ultimate decadence. Like you are in yeah. New Orleans. So, I mean, are you going to do beignets? Or are you going to get drunk? Like, I mean, are you going to do all the crazy wild stuff or are you going to kind of try to maintain balance while there? Well, yes. I mean, like this weekend was spent being absolutely debaucherous in terms of food and drink um, okay. and behavior. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 um, but like I said, it's about balance. And like, I think there needs to be room for both. And if there's mm-hmm. not, there will be repression. And <laughs> yeah, like, totally. Yeah. yeah. And so what did you do this? Like, what were the, what was the decadence this week? I mean, not, I mean, not the behavior part, because this is a family mm-hmm. podcast, but I mean, in terms of what you ate, where did you, where, what else did you eat? Um, actually, I had one of, I think, like maybe the, my most favorite meals I've had in months if not like this year, I'm going to venture to say, um, was at this restaurant called, this restaurant called Shaya. Um, oh, I've heard Israeli, like Israeli food. It's Israeli, it's Israeli and it's here. And we had to drive like very far away. <laughs> not really, but like we drove like 20 minutes to it and everything else has been like right around us. And we we're like, mm-hmm. oh, the Jews are like <laughs> stuck in the outskirts. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, had, you had to wander through the deserts of New Orleans <laughs> to get there. Yeah. 40 years. Yeah. And it was like delicious. Everything was absolutely divine. I'm not a person who would like go out of my way to like order halloumi, Mm -hmm. but I did. And it was outstanding. And then they had this lamb shank that was like, just, just roasted for like 12 hours mm. and then like glazed with this like pomegranate molasses. I knew it was going to be pomegranate molasses. I don't know how I knew that, but something within me told oh, me. It was like glossy and decadent and delicious. Talk about debaucherous. Yeah. It, it was like really incredible. And of course you walk in and there's like a wood burning oven and a dude is just like churning out freshly baked pita for you. I love that trend right now too. That like in LA, there's a restaurant Bavel. I don't know if you've been there, but but like it feels like it's like Middle Eastern sort of pita bread hummus, but it's like all very like rich and wonderful. So I I like that that's a thing now in American culture. So happy about it. Yes. So that was like decadent. So question: When you travel um, with Ben, 
are you the one that's like, I'm going to make all the reservations. I, I heard this place is amazing. I'm going on Eater New Orleans and looking at what's hot, what's not. Yes, he's nodding. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'm the person who does most of the food research. I do rely on my sister who is like Instagram foodie, like she's like just a fiend for restaurants and <laughs> restaurants mm -hmm. that are on Instagram. So anytime I'm going to a new place, I make sure to hit her up and I say, like, where do I eat? And she was actually the person to send us to Shia. And so I, I, I do need to, you know, give her those props. Now, earlier you kind of, um, what's the word, roasted me a bit for going to touristy places in New York. But so I, I'm nervous to ask this question, but will you be going to Cafe du Monde and having beignets? Yeah, we already did. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know. Maybe that's like eating a Grace Papaya hot dog. No, sure. no, I still think that like, listen, if I didn't live in New York and like was venturing to New York, I would <laughs> want to- That's talk, a burn like... too. I'm a New Yorker. Excuse <laughs> me. I grew up there. <laughs> if I didn't live in New York, give me a break. If I were to go there, I'd want to like do all of the things. I'd want to yeah. like eat at Grimaldi's and like, you know. Oh, wow. This is, this is a <laughs> sick burn. What was your bagel? What was your go-to New York bagel? Honestly, don't fight me, but Murray's. Yeah, that was mine. Really? Yeah. Uh, okay, great. What was but your also, big? What, what was your order there? Though? Murray's having a toaster, though. Let's. Oh right, of course they never toasted. Know? Yeah, they, they refused... never toasted. And so when people are always like toast or no toast, I'm like no toast. You don't mm -hmm. need that. If you're having a fresh bagel, you don't need to toast it. Yes, but that's important because it's like to your same point about the hot chicken salad, the whole that whole conversation. I'm fine not having them toast the bagel unless the bagel's been sitting there for a long time and it's like a little bit starting to get a little stale in which case the toaster revives the bagel no it's true it's true but i also i don't like cream cheese on a toasted bagel because it just falls all over the place you know i, I toast and then i let it cool a little bit and then i put on the cream cheese that's smart but what is your standing order at murray's is it like i mean you're not like a cinnamon raisin cream cheese person i hope no no when I was little, hundred percent. Yeah, sure. But you're 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 a doctor now. Come on. Please, <laughs> I have a poppy seed bagel, not toasted with cream cheese. No. <laughs> that is like a nice basic for me, though, that I really do enjoy. But don't um, the poppy seeds get caught in your teeth as an actor? Don't you have to like pick out lots of poppy seeds? Yeah, and that's why there are like twelve people like picking at your face all day, telling <laughs> you to put it on your mouth or something. You know? I could really use that. Like, maybe I should become an actor to help just get the food out of my teeth because my teeth catch a lot of food. You just have those kinds of teeth, you know? Yeah, so I have to bring there. floss with me. Yeah. Have it as a little snack for later. <laughs> yeah, gross. Wait, so that is your standing bagel order? This is the most important part of our conversation. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, I'm not, I'm not being serious with you, but I should be. My standing bagel order is like an everything bagel with the works, obviously. Works being, for people who don't know, cream cheese, um, uh, Nova or lox? Lox? Lox. Sliced red onion. Sliced tomato. red onion tomato capers mm -hmm. call it a day the works wow now you're making me hungry uh, <laughs> well so did we cover everything i feel like i mean i guess the only other question i would ask you is like when you're when you're gonna cook next like what what are the things you're into cooking right now like what what are your current food obsessions at home so i recently got an uni which is that pizza uh, oven yes that's very show-offy of you but keep going and I <laughs> jealous. That was also, honestly, like in the week of ordering <laughs> impossible burgers four nights in a row, mm -hmm. I was like, what's something I can give myself to look forward to, like outside of this quarantine moment? 
And so I ordered an uni that was like arrived like the day before I got home. And then Side, got home. I have a quick question about this quarantine moment. So were you you were in a hotel room quarantining because you were about to be on set so you couldn't see anybody? Was that what was, what was happening? I I left. I was feeling a little crazed and I hadn't seen Ben in a while. And I okay. was like, I'm I wasn't in the next episode. So I was like, can I go home? for like 24 hours as a little reset so that I can then I will I will I'll like come back I'll quarantine I'll do it all got it really needed to go home and see the dog and see the man and so I did and this final quarantine was clearly as you've gathered throughout this podcast a very emotionally arduous moment for me um because you had just left your boyfriend just left your dog and then you're in a hotel room by yourself like okay you need to order a pizza oven Exactly. Like four <laughs> weeks left of this job, two of them spent in quarantine, like, let's go. Wow. And I ordered myself a pizza oven. And so I've been inviting people over really as a means of just getting to use my pizza oven. I'm like, come over, I'll make you pizza. Inviting them to the hotel room with the closet? Is it in no, the closet? No, inviting them over to my house in LA where the oh, okay. pizza oven exists. And so, but the thing is that like, you have, it's not, it's a kind of like, laborious process you're sort of like sitting over this pizza oven like watching the pizzas making the pizzas and so when you come over to like and I'm making pizza like I don't really hang out with you I'm just making pizza and you're hanging out with my boyfriend Mm. but what did you like people can make their own pizzas like do you just have the toppings all spread out so that day I usually make like a huge pot of like delicious you know two-hour caramelized onions um chop them all up put them in a little bowl I've ordered like all of these little Tupperwares so that we, you know, we have a topping bar. Mm-hmm. Um, we have like a pepperoni moment. We have a sausage moment. We have, I usually like saute some mushrooms with a little bit of garlic. Like that's a little topping you can have. Um, we have olives. We have some pepperoncinis, uh, a bunch of grated parm. So when people top their pizzas, are you like, whoa, that's too much topping, like slow down there, that's going to ruin your pizza? Or do you let people just do as they will? No, as I said before, I'm very controlling. I usually find myself just asking them, like, what would you like on your pizza? And then crafting it for them, you know? Wow. Okay. Well, I hope when you're back in LA, I'll get an invitation to this illustrious pizza party. Yeah. And then you'll have to come over and I'll roast you a chicken or something. Yeah. All right. Well, no, this was fabulous. Thank you so much for taking the time to do lunch therapy of course thanks for having me thanks for shrinking me yeah of course and enjoy your time in new orleans and um and good luck back in vancouver and i'll see you i guess in the next half of the decade when you're back in la exactly when i'm not a comedian doctor anymore all right well um thanks again thank you adam 